We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bart Winkler. Great to be here with you. Now, I don't have on this episode. It was sent to the publishers prior to Brewers and Diamondbacks. So I don't have a breakdown of Monday night's game. This is a throwback to the newspapers when you would get them in the morning and it would say Brewers at Arizona late. You would be unaware of what the Brewers did if you just picked up the morning paper. I don't even know how people found out about the Brewers game if it wasn't in their morning paper. Thankfully, you have the internet, and if you want a good breakdown of the game, I'm sure a lot of my fellow cohorts, uh, the Adam McKelveys of the world, will give you a good breakdown. And God, don't we know that if you're looking for prime Brewers coverage, the Milwaukee radio market will have you covered this morning. What great Brewers coverage you are about to get by your Milwaukee radio uh, heroes. I emoji. Well, Bart, uh, why are you ripping on the Milwaukee radio guys for something you don't do either? Uh, because I got fired from Milwaukee radio. If I was live this morning on the air in Milwaukee, I would be doing several hours on the Brewers. Hours. But since I am trying to hack it as a podcaster, I fell asleep in bed watching the game last evening. We will break all of the Brewers and Diamondbacks action down with our series finale recap show later this week. I want to talk NBA. I want to talk NFL. Before I get to any of that, I got to do this. This is a question that I get a lot regarding Aaron Rodgers and Giannis and the difference in how I talk about their MVPs, and what it means to each individual. This is a Carl's Place voicemail, 402-915-BART. Remember to check out Carl's Place, carloft.com, backslash Bart, for any and all golf simulator needs. You can also check that out at the website, bartwinklershow.com. This voicemail comes from Matt in the Falls. Hey, Bart. It's me again. Um, still listening to today's episode, just piece at a time, one bite, one bite. Choo, 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 you know how it goes. Um, and I'm listening to you talk about Giannis' historic season and how you really think he should have more MP, MVP consideration and you'd like to be hearing more about that. Um, and then I thought about how you would tell us that um, Aaron Rodgers' MVP awards mean absolutely nothing to you. And I'm just wondering where the disconnect is. Um, I think it's obviously we love Giannis as a person. We don't like Rodgers, so I'm not sure that has something to do with it and probably the uh, lack of championships by Rodgers since 2011 while Giannis has put one up recently. So um, I'm just kind of wondering where, you know, where the difference is there. Um, I think MVPs are awesome for our athletes. I think they give us bragging rights, um, you know, sitting around, sitting around the grill with the boys at the tailgate and you're, you're talking about the growth, the, the growth, the goats, you got, you know, you got to have MVP, you throw them out there. That's something you can't, you can't deny that it's an MVP. It's the peak. So I think we should want our athletes to be, um, you know, winning MVPs and we should want them to be successful because that makes our teams more successful, even when we don't have a defensive coordinator forever, but you get the idea. Um, so yeah, I just want to hear uh, your thoughts on um, maybe why, 
why you think so differently between Giannis and Aaron's MVPs. And I am happy to answer that, and it's about time I do. I've been asked that question a lot, and I've kind of given some answers, but also it's something I might dance around. It's hard to come up with an answer, uh, honestly. I, it's hard to come up with an answer, and so I'm going to try to actually give you a tangible one. Um, I am a guy who a lot of times I will give takes, and I believe them. I believe them. I believe Jordan Love is going to be good because Aaron Rodgers wouldn't let him play. I believe that. So I think I'm right. Could be wrong, but I believe it. I believe the Denver Nuggets will not get to the NBA Finals. Could be wrong, but I believe it. I believe I'm right. With this Rodgers MVP discussion, basically what it gets down to is I crap all over Rodgers for his MVPs, and I actively campaign for Giannis's. Why? Uh, so I'm trying to figure that out here. I'm trying to figure out why. And I can come up with a couple of reasons why. And if they're not good enough, they're not good enough. But this is how I view them as different. One, I think the biggest thing, let me just start with the biggest thing. The biggest thing is how they are viewed by the two individuals or how I've been viewing how they view them. For instance, I hear Rodgers talk a lot about how he's won MVPs. I've won MVPs. I'm a four-time MVP. I won back-to-back MVPs. And he does it a lot to use in negotiation to talk himself up uh, to maybe why he should get what he thinks he deserves. It seems to be a very individual award for him. And MVP is most valuable player. So, yeah, it is an individual award. But what Giannis said the other day about it, I've never heard Rodgers come close to saying anything like this. I'm very proud that I am able to play at an MVP level because that means I'm making my team very successful. That's the goal. So what I perceive is that Rodgers likes MVPs because it's another award on his shelf. And why Giannis likes MVPs is it means he played at a level to make his team get an award on all of their shelves. So for better or worse, that's one of the reasons that I view it differently. Uh, A couple more. MVPs in the NBA, I think, are more important than in the NFL. I could probably go back and name you the MVP uh, 30 of the last 35 years, and I might miss one or two in the NBA. In the NFL, I, I, I mean, I know Lamar Jackson won a while ago. I think Mahomes did, uh, maybe even this year. Uh, I'm not, I don't know as much. It just doesn't, it doesn't have the season-long discourse and the historical magnitude in the NFL that it does in the NBA. In the NFL, it's a great award. In the NBA, it's like the thing to help you distinguish, well, who are the top guys going to be when history looks back at this. And I think that for Giannis, every MVP that he earns is going to help him be what could be a top five player in NBA history. And I don't think Rodgers is at that level. He's, I mean, he's very, he's, I guess, close. But I don't think that we're going to – it's not going to come – it comes down to championships more in the NFL. It comes down to championships, sure, in the NBA too, but that MVP is a big qualifier. I think another thing is we're in the middle of it. So what you're hearing from me is I'm talking a lot about getting Giannis more MVPs. Rodgers, I don't believe, is going to win another MVP. And I actually think you're foolish if you think he's going to go to New York and win an MVP or wherever he's going to play. He's, his MVP years are done. I know he just won one two years ago, but I think they're done. And so when I'm arguing for Giannis, it's not just also arguing for Giannis. It's arguing against the other guys. I desperately don't want Jokic to get an MVP. It like, it means a lot to me that he doesn't because of the historical levels. I don't want him to be the guy that wins three MVPs in a row for the first time since Larry Bird in the eighties. I don't want that. And so I have a guy that I can hype up. So it means more, from that standpoint. Also, this is a little bit different and uh, I'm not sure, you know, how much of I, how much of the pie I would give this, but I think it's different that it's Milwaukee. Giannis wears Milwaukee on his chest. Rogers wears a G on his helmet, but Giannis wears Milwaukee on his chest. And so I feel like it's, it's easier for me to argue for something for Milwaukee than it is for a, uh, for green Bay with all due respect to the city by the bay, the city that never sleeps, Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of a great railroad museum that uh, really people only go to when it's hot and they need a place to go inside the air conditioning. 
also home of the uh, Green Bay Booyah, I think is the current name of that team. They're changing every couple of years. Uh, also, the great UWGB campus, which is 15 miles northwest of town. Uh, you have to, like, open up some marsh. It's the worst college location of all the UW systems in the state. Anyway, Green Bay slander aside, those are some of the reasons why I differentiate the two. Also, because with – and then this is – there's Brett Favre factor. Rodgers is doing something that I just saw someone else do. And maybe that's unfair, but Rodgers – what did Favre do? He won a Super Bowl, won three MVPs. What did Rodgers do? He won a Super Bowl, won four MVPs. I kind of already saw that. So this is where the entitled town factor comes in. I've never seen a buck this good. There hasn't been a buck this good in 50 years. I never dreamed that the Bucks would be this good. The 70s and 80s Packers, that's been the Bucks my whole life. So there's that factor to it as well. Some of these are not fair in the argument. I do understand that. Some of these are not fair. But my main point and the main reason I look at them different, and it's not because I like Giannis and I don't like Rodgers, but it's because I view Rodgers thinking of the MVP as something that should inflate him and get him paid and get him accolades, and get him the money he wants. Where I think that Giannis views him as, if I'm playing at this level, that means my team is going to win. That means I can win more championships with my team. That's where I find the main difference. And also, we're still seeing it happen. You know, if, if Giannis ends up winning four MVPs and only has one championship, then we're going to look back and it's going to be a very easy comparison. But us not knowing the roadmap that Giannis is going to take us on and my back-of-the-head belief that I do feel like the Bucs are going to win the championship this year, I think that you know that argument will be null and void afterwards. So long story short, there's plenty of reasons, but what it comes down to for me is that they mean more to uh, Rodgers, and the team means more to Giannis. You can catch me saying these words into a computer screen thanks to our YouTube sponsor, Dan Shaney Insurance. Now I'm just reading right off the bottom of my YouTube crawl. Dan's a local independent insurance agency, and he specializes in finding the best prices for your auto, home, and business insurance with multiple company options in Wisconsin. Call 414-732-2542 or visit danshaney.com today. Dan's been a longtime listener to the show, and it's good to have him as part of the proceedings here in the uh, Bart Winkler stratosphere so those would be my thoughts on that gonna talk some more basketball here uh matt miller who i've been going back and forth with hardwood peroxum on twitter about the mvps i had him on in the zach gelb show to more or so you know the mvp stuff try to avoid it i do want to talk about the nba playoffs the timberwolves are a disaster the mavericks didn't make the playoffs they're a disaster and, of course, I think his nuggets are a disaster, but not my bucks. So, Matt Moore, my conversation with him on the Bart Winkler Show, next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Oh, welcome back. I want to remind you about my good, good buddies at Happy Place Hemp. Do I sound more professional? Do I sound more? I'm I'm actually, don't tell anyone, I'm talking into the microphone right now at uh, at the 1250 building. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. I feel so dirty, but I am talking about Happy Place Hemp. HappyPlaceHemp.com. The promo code is BART. 25% off every single order at HappyPlaceHemp.com. Whether it's the CBDs or the CBNs, the combo pack to help you sleep at night, perhaps. Took one of those last night. Slept like a baby. Um, is what I'm assuming. I'm telling you that I'm going to take one before I actually took it. But my prior history tells me that I'm going to sleep like a baby. And in this little section, I'm like both trying to come at you live. And also, I told you I'm recording. Really good stuff here. I can see why uh, they let me go. Um, HappyPlaceHemp.com, promo code BART, 25% off each and every order. Again, the tinctures, the oils, and everything else that you could ask for. HappyPlaceHemp.com. You can also stop in. The promo code is BART. At happyplacehemp.com. Interested in this tweet from Tim Shea. Uh, Tim, a frequent Happy Place Hemper, says that he has a special announcement. Yeah, Tim says Tim tweeted big Tim Shea news on the Bart Winkler show this Wednesday's live show after the Brewers game. You don't want to miss it. Eyeball emoji. Hmm. Tim Shea bringing the fire. Very interested to check out what he's going to have for us. All right. Mentioned I was at the 1250 building last night on Zach Gelb's program. Talked, uh, I talked about all my favorite, te- you know, takes about how Denver shouldn't have a sports team. Cause they're too high about how I hate every baseball rule. And then I like it. I'm really exploring my new take that I don't think the draft should be a thing. Well, it should be a thing, but it shouldn't be rewarding the bad teams. And that's one of the takes that I brought up with Matt Moore, Hardwood Paroxym on Twitter, uh, HP Basketball. Now, we have talked, him and I, in the past, and more recently on Twitter about Jokic versus Giannis and MVP and all this stuff, and he covers the Nuggets, Locked On Nuggets. He does that. And so rather than get in the MVP fight we've had a million times, I wanted to tell him that in the West, I think there's a few teams that could come out of the West. I don't think the Nuggets are one of them. And I wanted him to convince me why, among other things we talked about on Zach Gelb's show. I mean, I can't tell you why right now. I think uh, when you look at it the way they ended the season, they had an opportunity there. They were playing championship level basketball for about three months, um, really between December and February. And really, historically, when we look back at the NBA, that's like the most indicative time. And if you're trying to like match up that like what time of the season has the most success correlated with playoffs it's actually the middle of the season you're past that first part of the year when everybody's just trying to figure stuff out the last month of the season is super messy but the nuggets coasted too much their floor is very low like this is the key is nuggets floor extremely low when they're bad they're awful defense isn't there offense you don't look at, at, at the same kind of firepower but when they're clicking they're awesome like they can they can hang with anybody when things are locked in and going and when they saw that you know, top five defense for three months of the season, like that stretch when they were engaged in playing best basketball and they got that number one seed, they're a contender. Can they do it consistently? That's the kind of question. I mean, I think it's fine to wonder about them. It's fine to question about them. What I will say is can't sit here and be like, oh, no, these other teams are definitely better. Everyone's flawed in the West. Everyone's beatable in the West. And that's kind of the key here is it's going to depend on matchups, shooting variants, who's locked in, and who's healthy. 
Yeah, West is going to be insane. West could be like the final four where you have a bunch of low seeds. I mean, if you look at how things are going to go, uh, let's say the Lakers get the seven. Uh, I mean, with all due respect to the Kings, I like the Warriors there. Then suddenly you have a path where it could be the Suns and the Nuggets. And, I mean, I'm going to take the Suns in that matchup. I like the Suns out of the West. And, you know, the the teams at the top have had great seasons for the most part. Like you said, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings should be very happy about what they've done. But the West is just, there's there's so many teams that, like, didn't play a full 82, you know, or got pieces late in the season that it's really hard to, it's really hard to look at the seeding number and and think that that matters that much this year. Okay, but what you're doing is you're going against all of NBA history because NBA history says if you're not a top three seed, you do not win the title. There's been one in 20 years, the 2004 Pistons. Since 2000, since the three-point era, sorry, back to 80, there's been nine teams outside of the top three to win their conference. Teams that don't win on the road, like the Warriors, Warriors have 30 road losses. Teams with 30 road losses to make the playoffs, there's 18 of them. 17 of them went out in the first round. And I'm not sitting here and saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is, what I don't get is the idea of like, oh, but you've got to love these other teams. These teams are way better. They've told you the entire year, no, they're not. The entire year they've told you, no, you're not. You go to the Lakers, you go, yeah, but what about that run after they got all the pieces in the trades? Go look at that schedule. It's cupcakes. It's nothing. It's home-heavy versus banged-up teams in a month of March that was extremely messy. I'm with you on the idea that this regular season might make it harder than ever to tell who's really good. But what we can't do is we can't turn around and then go, but these other teams are really good despite telling us all year, now we're really middle and beatable. You know, it's funny about the West, too, as we talked to Matt Moore, is what happened with the Mavericks over the weekend. And the NBA wants to investigate why they did what they did. All they need to look at is their rules about how if you're a worse draft pick or if you're a worse team, you get a better draft pick. I mean, I've been going on this crusade now, and I'm going to call it a crusade. It's, it, this is my passion project now. Um, I, I think that I don't think the draft should reward the worst teams in the league. I think that they should all get the same amount of odds, and it should be a big lottery on TV because nothing else in America does this except for sports. We incentivize losing. It makes a joke out of the regular season. It makes a joke out of this whole weekend. It just makes a joke. I don't get why in sports. This is a big picture question. Why are we giving why do we give bad teams good draft picks? I, for one, am tired of it. Your thoughts. You know, I used to be against you. I used to be like, no, no, no. Like these smaller markets need these types of advantages in order to have an opportunity to compete and rebuild. I'm with you. The Mavericks literally got me there. When you have a team that literally says, we have a top five player in the NBA, we have the preseason MVP favorite who wants to compete, and we're quitting. Nah, we're good. We're not even going to make a try. We're not even going to try. We're going to back out and intentionally try and lose. Like, something is deeply broken when we have that kind of opportunity, and we're like, no, 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 we got to make sure that we can get the 10th draft pick because that's going to make a difference. What are we doing here? Like, at some point, the point is winning. And the other thing I would say is, like, what I've learned in covering the league over 15 years is it's not about the talent on the roster. It's about how good your organization is. If you told the Spurs and the Thunder, hey, you get the number one pick if you finish with the best record outside of the playoffs, you know what those teams would do? They would build teams exactly to be that good because their organizations are good. Their ownerships are good. Their front offices are competent. They have structure all the way down. You look at the bottom, the Spurs are there because that's the incentive, but a lot of these other teams are teams that are not run well enough, and I agree with you. We've got to stop rewarding that and start rewarding teams that actually put good structures in place. Speaking of broken, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I love that um... – what I've been saying about Rudy Gobert is this guy goes out and, you know, the pandemic's starting. We don't know, like, what's going to happen and we're like, what is this? And then he touches a bunch of microphones, okay? And then two days later, he shuts down the league because he was the first one to test positive for the virus. That's not even, like, on the Mount Rushmore of things we're going to look back at Rudy Gobert for and say, well, that was stupid because the trade was stupid. The amount that they got was stupid. Whatever he did this weekend was stupid. And now he's not going to play in this playing game. Um, I'm not sure I have a question. I just 
I'm looking for someone to trash the Timberwolves with me, I guess. You know what's funny, though, man, is like, look at, look at that game, right? So Rudy goes through this. Uh, he gets sent home. He gets not only sent to the locker room, he gets told to go home. And the Wolves somehow claw back from a double-digit deficit and get a win. And like, Jaden McDaniels like, broke his hand doing yeah, something my that, college buddy did, my roommate did in college, drunk. Yeah, like this, is, like this has been the Wolves all year where bad things have befallen them. Some self-created, some not. But, and it's been bad. They face that adversity, but they keep crawling back. Like I'm actually pretty impressed with the Wolves and Chris Finch. For, that was a situation where it would been easy to completely splinter apart and just fall apart. But no, like they battled back. Like, Towns goes out for months. He was supposed to be out, like, eight weeks. He missed, like, three months of the season. But they managed their way through it. And what's, what's sad is that I've been a Rudy Gobert critic for years in Utah, being like, no, 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 we've gone too far with this guy. He's overrated. He's not this elite player. He's good, but he's very flawed. And now I've gone the other way where this season I've actually been like, you know, Rudy's actually been really good this year. And they've trusted him, and they've actually given him the ball, and he's made some hook shots for once in his life. And then he caps all of that off with this entire incident. The Wolves might be an embarrassment, but I will say that at least they keep battling because that's what you want to see in sports. You want to see these teams at least try and get through it. If nothing else, the Wolves are rallying together against their own teammates. So in that respect, I guess Rudy might be helping them. In the Eastern Conference, uh, my line that I keep saying to everybody is, I think there's, uh, I think pretty much anybody can beat the Celtics. Now, I think the Celtics would win a lot of these series, but I think they can be beaten by a lot of teams. I think they are the only team, though, that would actually beat the Bucks. And I don't take too much stock into what's happened uh, in the last season or two in the regular season, but I do take stock into what happened last playoffs, where they just seem to have guys that step up and play their best basketball against Milwaukee, whether it's Grant Williams or Al Horford or Derek White or whatever. So in the East, I think it's the Bucks to lose, and I think the only team that can get them is the Celtics, what do you like in the East? Yeah, I like the Celtics uh, for mostly what you kind of outlined here. Uh, the Sixers are going to have to show me. Like they're just going to have to show me. You got Doc Rivers, you got James Harden, and I'm sorry, but you got Joel Embiid, who has had some monumental playoff failures that he has been able to pawn off, literally throwing teammates under the bus before. So those three are going to have to show it to me because Embiid's record versus the Celtics. The 52-point late regular season when most of the seedings were decided without Robert Williams and Jalen Brown, game aside, the Celtics have owned Embiid. So they're going to have to show me this. I agree with you in that. I think a lot of teams could have beaten the Celtics. Like, if the Heat get in that 2-7, they're going to be a pain. And Boston's going to have a hard time putting them away somehow. And I think the Cavaliers, if they've been on that side of the bracket, could have given them a run. But... The Celtics, I think, are going to make it to the conference finals. I do think that they're going to be a team that can beat the Bucs. I think the Bucs win last year if Chris Middleton's healthy, but not this year. I think the Celtics are better this year in every facet. And historically, the Bucs always have, like, the perfect formula. Everything's working, and they just don't hit shots. That's been the, the history of the Bucs in the playoffs, even in the year that they won the title. So the Celtics, I think, will hit enough yeah. shots. I think the Celtics are coming out of the East. Like when they trade for Nikola Mirotic, who's – hitting threes better than anybody, and then he comes to Milwaukee and forgets how to shoot like he's the pitcher and rookie of the year or something. It was uh, awful. Hey, okay, so for the future, uh, this play, this not playing, this in-season tournament thing, I got to find a reason as a fan to care about it because I'm not getting excited for this side tournament if all that it matters is if my team, the teams I root for, get half a million dollars more. But you can't like give them a playoff spot. That's stupid. I just I think that Adam Silver saw what happens in Europe with like soccer and it's really cool what goes on. There's just not a way for it to happen in the NBA. I'm willing to try it and watch it, but I think it's gonna be like one of the bigger flops in sports history. Is that too extreme? Mm, I don't know, man. We've had things like the blue puck and hockey and things like that, but maybe. Hey, hey I'm a blue. Hey, I'm a glowing puck truther. So I thought you <laughs> might bring that up, but I'm a truther. Fair enough. So I'll say this: uh, it's on the players. Like the NBA is trying to give give the players a reason to care, and then the players are eventually going to have to decide that they care about these games, and they probably won't because of how much they get paid, and it's guaranteed. The season's so long, and the travel's so bad. But I'll say this: I'm hopeful 
that when we get to a situation where it's the single elimination actual tournament, and it's not about I want to win this for my team and my city. No, 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 no. That's not how NBA players operate. But if you tell them, hey, that guy's been chirping at you for this entire season, you get to send him home. You get to be in a one-game elimination and send him out. And we've always found that in those games, the stakes get higher, things get more tense, and the games get better. This provides some stakes in the regular season, which has been sorely lacking. So I'm willing to give it a shot, but ultimately it's going to be on the players to make it worth it. Matt, appreciate your time. Love your coverage, Action Network, the Twitter account, and everything you do. Uh, Good luck in covering the playoffs, and we'll talk again. Thanks, man. Take care. Appreciated that from Matt. Always do. Always a pleasure. He was on uh, the Zach Gelb Show. I was filling in. My name's Bart, as in the four letters you type in at omahasteaks.com. Promo code BART, $30 off. They've got a burger sale going on. Hey, I saw my neighbor out grilling yesterday. You know what? He's a good neighbor. Maybe I'll buy him some Omaha steaks. I think I might do that. He's a really good neighbor. He likes to grill. But I can't just, he's got to like do something for me. I can't just like give him food because then he'll feel like he's in debt to me. Hmm. Or maybe I'll just say it's from a secret admirer. But then maybe he'll think it's from my wife. I don't know. The promo code's BART. $30 off your packages at omahasteaks.com. One other thing I wanted to do is I talked with uh, Matt Collar. He's from Purple Insider. This is a guy who used to do radio in Minnesota at the same station where Rami was in Minnesota for a while, Score North. And then, like, the summer that everybody in radio lost their jobs, he was one of them. So he started a Substack, and he started Purple Insider, where he does the same kind of stuff that I do. He's on Blue Wire. He's one of my Blue Wire guys. So I'm trying to cross over more with Blue Wire guys. And what we did was a podcast for his show and for my show. Now, I'm going to cut some of it out. We did a segment, and you buy yourself fans will love this. It's called Agree or Disagree. We did a segment where we did agree or disagree on a lot of things on the NFC North. And he asked me about the Packers. And so I gave him all the greatest Bart hits. That Aaron Rodgers thinks Jordan Love is good. Why I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I I gave him all the greatest Bart hits. So I'm going to cut that part out, as you've heard it many times before. Instead, an old-fashioned NFC North look around, like my friends on the Bill Michaels show used to do. Myself with Matthew Collar, again, Purple Insider, for any of you that are Vikings fans, you can check out his podcast. We're not sure. We like doing each other's shows, and we have a good rapport, and uh, we like each other. I'm not sure how many Vikings fans he's going to send to my podcast and how many Packers fans I'm going to send to his. But a great guest to have on just to talk some football here on what is really a dry couple of weeks in the NFL. But we did our best to make it interesting. This is Matt Collar. Here on the Bart Winkler show. Agree or disagree, the Lions past history matters and they are going to let everyone down despite the hype. Agree or disagree that the Lions will let everyone down because Lions. I am going to disagree. I think I feel like the Lions might be figuring it out. And, uh, you know, it's a bummer they lost Jamal Williams for them. He was really good. But they did get David Montgomery, which... Uh, just completes the NFC North as the division of incest, which I I swear we do it more in this division than any other division. It's really weird and sad. Didn't Dean Lowry sign with the Vikings? He did. Yes. Yes. By the way, he stinks. It it wasn't good last year. It wasn't good, but, but no, you're exactly right. I mean, this is the history of the entire NFC North and not just Favre, but there's all sorts of Packers that end up Greg Jennings or uh, even Gilbert Brown showed up here at one point. So yeah, no, Uh, anyway, carry on, but you're absolutely right. It's definitely like that. Well, I got more Robert Ferguson, Ryan Longwell, a bunch of, bunch of guys. Uh, Yeah. I can't, I thought, okay, never mind. Um, I, I, I'm feeling like the Lions can be okay. And that, are they going to win the division? Well, the division might be wide open. I think that it depends how Jordan Love does. Because in the Packers, if Jordan Love's good, the Packers are capable. This division's bad. So all it's going to take is somebody to win maybe 10 games. And which of these teams is going to win those 10 games? I think the Bears are on the up. We can talk about that. But with the Lions, I'm not like, 
I think this current Lions team is good. And if people want to worry that, well, in the past they sucked, well, then you can worry about that. But I think the group they have there, they came into Lambeau Field on a Sunday night with nothing to play for, and they pretty much ended Aaron Rodgers' career as a Packer. And unfortunately, I saw that with my own eyes. It was the one game I went to this season at Lambeau Field, and boy, what a miss that was. Very, uh, very much regretting that. But I think that they can be good. Obviously, the receivers are getting better. Uh, the defense is getting better. Are they content with Jared Goff? Which is interesting. Like some of these quarterbacks, like Lamar Jackson, why are the Lions getting him? Why? What? There's 20 teams that should be in on Lamar Jackson, and for some reason, there's like not even the Ravens want to admit that they want Lamar Jackson. So, but I don't know because right now Jared Goff is a top five quarterback in the NFC. How bad this conference is. I am not. I'm not. If I'm a Lions fan, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to try to close my eyes at history and look at this team and think we might have something there. So I'm going to disagree. I don't think the history matters, but it would be true Lions form to get everybody to think that and then suck. <laughs> well, I think that the supporting cast for Jared Goff, including his offensive coordinator, is so good that Jared Goff can be. And I don't mean an elite quarterback in the same way that Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback, but I mean elite offensive production overall to continue to be a top five offense as they were last year because they have good receivers, good offensive line. They run the ball well. They scheme it up for Jared Goff, and they don't ask him to really do too much if he just executes that offense. It's kind of like it was with the Rams where they had the, the good offensive line. That's the crazy thing about Goff is if he can drop back, set, and throw – Dude is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If he has to move like two feet, it's over. And he's bad. It's the it's the it's very Alex Smithian of Jared Goff. So I don't look at them as a true Super Bowl contender, even though the NFC is still very weak in comparison to the AFC. But I don't think that their history matters at all. I mean, it, you look at a bunch of teams that historically were absolutely horrendous. How about the New Orleans Saints before Drew Brees? Just a laughing stock. The Buffalo Bills before Josh Allen. Like this happens all the time where teams are down for a long time and then suddenly things click into place and they're a lot better. Uh, you have to go back quite a ways, but the Green Bay Packers weren't that great before Brett Favre. So that that is how it goes. I would say, though, that it's not without potential potholes because if things don't go the way that they did last year for them offensively and some of these signings don't work as well as they're expected to, they could end up being a mediocre team again. Like, I think we're just sort of assuming and we do this all the time. Whatever we kind of saw in the second half of last season was the truth for next season and everything that was wrong has been fixed and nothing new will be wrong and it will all be fine going into next year. I don't know that that's always the case, but it just seems like who's better on paper from top to bottom for a roster and a coaching staff than the Lions. And I don't think that's anybody in the NFC North. They are good enough that for at least one year, we can avoid the, should the Lions get a Thanksgiving Day game every season? They're good enough that we can table that for at least one year. And I think for that franchise, that's a massive, that's a massive win. When was the last time in your life that the Packers were playing the Lions and you were like, oh, I don't know. I mean, other than this last week 18 where you thought, okay, they could come in and win. Like, when before that in your life were you like, I don't know, these teams, well, Lions pretty good. There were some Thanksgiving games where we went in there and sucked. Uh, by the way, I'm a we guy. I say we, just so everybody knows. Um, but really it was the the uh, playoffs with Favre's first super uh, pl uh, playoff game win where he hit Sterling Sharp at the end of the game. And Barry Sanders, I remember Barry Sanders was here in a playoff game or a late December game and they held him to negative one yards. And it was like, uh, it was a, it was a mirror. It was like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life up at that point as a Packer fan. So it's been a, it's been a healthy 30 years to answer the question. There was a moment there where they were like a 10 win team. Uh, maybe you were concerned about Calvin Johnson. And I would say there was, a, I think it was 95 where Scott Mitchell had his one great year that they were legitimately dangerous, but that's how far you have to go back to say legitimately dangerous about the Detroit lions. Uh, next topic for you, Bart. And, and by the way, I of course uh, am more on the journalist side. So not a wee guy. 
Uh, but no problem with the Wii. And this is a debate with fans all the time. My thing is, if you buy tickets and buy jerseys and paid taxes on the stadium and invest your entire heart and soul, if you're a fan of a team, why would it not be Wii, right? That's that's. Well, if I'm talking to other Packer fans, I'm not going to say, hey, uh, how do you think the Packers will do this year? Right. How do you, what did you, are you going to go? I would say, how do you think we're going to do this year? We're, we know what we're saying. That's a very, that's a very fake argument of anger from some in the media. Yes. So I'm I glad you're totally, on the right side of history. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, all right. So next question for you pertains to the Minnesota Vikings, not we in my world, but uh, the rest of the division agree or disagree should be worried about the Vikings coming off a 13 win season. So what they did last year will project forward and the rest of the division should be concerned that the Vikings will do it again. Uh, I would say disagree. I don't think they should be worried about their win total last year. I think Vikings fans will remember uh, that they started to the, the word fraud. I mean, everybody said fraud, just like the only word that was used with this NCAA women's thing this last week was the word classless. Like everybody, nobody used a different word. Just like with the Vikings, it was fraud. It was the one word we all stuck on, on that word. I don't think the Vikings are bad. I don't think they're good. They might be closer to good than bad they're not great they're not they were not they should not have won 13 games last year i don't think a lot of vikings fans disagree with that but also they did you know and so i can i can spout at you all i want about uh, one possession games and lucky and but you won you still won so even if they would have in the playoffs frotted their way to a title they still would have won a title you know it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you win I think that if the NFC North is going to worry about the Vikings and we talked about the Lions, and they may be the other team, but it's just that they might be the best of an average lot, you know? So I think that there's, I think that there's ceilings and floors for every team that are pretty vast for the Lions. They might have the highest ceiling, but they do have a floor. And for the bears, I'm a Justin Fields guy. I think he's good. They, I'm still not sure their ceiling's over nine wins, but their floor is pretty bad. The Packers could have a really high ceiling, but they could also have a really low floor. And I think the Vikings' floor is eight wins and their ceiling is 10 wins. So all they got to do is steal one from these other NFC North teams. Like they should be the favorite to win the North. Uh, just like the Saints should be the favorites to win the NFC South. Everybody else stinks. So don't be worried about what the Vikings did in terms of the 13 wins. Worry that, like, they're just maybe better than you at this point. They've got the best player. Let me just think real quick. Yeah, Justin Jefferson in the division. I mean, that's going to go a long way. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think that if I were to bet on it, as much as I don't like the Vikings. I, I think they're the, they're the safe play and it just matters if somebody else is going to have a better year than them. But you, like you said, Kirk cousins, what does Kirk cousins do? Like Aaron Rodgers, we know what he does. He'll get you 13 wins and lose in the NFC championship game. Kirk cousins gets you 12 wins and loses in the first round. So we know that. So I think I've answered the question four different times and I'll pass it over to you. Okay, so here's another one. Historically, we're talking about the Lions. Like, when's the last time you took them seriously? When, how many times since you've watched football could you not say about the Vikings they'll win between eight and 10 games? I mean, how many seasons have not been that way the entire time you've been paying attention? Uh, it's been a long time. And I think with the Vikings, too, as a Packer guy, every time that we look at the schedule, it's an assumed loss when you go to Minnesota. And I can't say that for the other two teams at all i mean detroit at detroit's an assumed win uh unless it's thanksgiving because there have been some weird days like i said at chicago's definitely assumed win but then yeah the vikings are always an assumed loss and and i i do think that's the real rivalry in the nfc north at this point between those two teams and, and it's because those have been the better two teams in the last 10 years so yeah it's it's eight and ten but that's a i mean that's still a good spot to be you know it's it, it 
you you would hope for better, but when you're in a division that is not at its peak right now, although I think trending in the right way, Vikings got to worry about that, I think. I think the Lions are trending up. The Bears are trending up. If Jordan loves good, the Packers will be trending up. And the Vikings are just along a baseline. So they're not getting worse, but I don't know that they're getting better. So that, that'll be something they have to look at, and that's going to come down to who's the quarterback after Kirk, I think. So that could go a long way. They trade for Lamar Jackson. Well, geez, they're super. They're a Super Bowl. I don't. This is why I don't understand why teams don't like at least try. They're a Super Bowl contender, and maybe a favorite in the NFC. But if they just like let Kirk go away and then struggle to find their next guy for the next five seasons, like people can say, "Oh, Packers, you don't know what twenty to thirty years is a bad quarterback, so you could go right back to that." Well, but the Packers have their guy. The the Lions, I guess, Goff's still younger than we think. The Bears have their guy. Vikings, who's the next guy? We don't know that yet. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I just, it's remarkable to me about the history of the Vikings where they are always a team that you would say is between eight and 10 wins going into every season. Some of them, they've surprised us, of course. The the Favre season, though, I don't even think coming off of how he played with the Jets that anyone even thought Favre was going to take them where he did. Uh, or the 13 and 3K Keenum season, nobody saw that coming. It certainly helped that they injured Rodgers a few plays into uh, the first matchup there, but oh, they did. Their fans never talk about that all the time. And and Packers fans didn't tweet anything at Anthony Barr that was mean. They were very polite in the Midwest fashion about that. But uh, I think that in, in, for this one, the other teams should not be terrified of the Vikings, but just assume that they know what they're going to be unless something huge changes. If they were to get Lamar Jackson, then yes, they're the favorite for the division. They're probably only behind Philadelphia for favorites for the entire NFC. And that's why when people here debate, well, should, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I don't know, he's had some injuries or he can't pass or it's like, folks, I guarantee you that Vegas would immediately put them as the number two team in the NFC instantly if Lamar Jackson came here. I think the Vikings could win this division with 10 wins uh, because if the other things don't click into place that need to go right for the Lions or if Jordan Love isn't that good or we'll talk about the Bears in a second, then they could. But I think that they do have a very clear ceiling for this next season. And this year is really about how they transition from the Kirk era into the next era at quarterback. So I totally agree with you that at some point they need to try to break that eight to 10 win mold. Um, the Chicago bears question is pretty simple. Agree or disagree. The bears are this year's Jaguars. The Jaguars had been horrific, had the worst coach in football, urban Meyer, maybe the worst coach of the last like 20 years. And uh, then they got Doug Peterson. It's not a coaching change in Chicago, but they spent a bunch of money in free agency with every free agent signing. Everyone said, I think they might've overpaid. And then those players helped them get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Is that going to be the fate of the Chicago bears in the year 2023? Okay. I might caveat this one a little bit now that I said, okay. So I, for the, for the statement you said, I will disagree. I think this year's Jaguars are going to be the Jaguars again because I think everyone's going to doubt them again, and uh, I think they're going to be very good. The Bears could be next year's Jaguars. Uh, I still think, you know, they, they're still assembling some pieces. They bring over these wide receivers. The, I, the Chase Claypool getting traded and then vanishing is unbelievable. And um, Darnell Mooney having a bad year is unbelievable. It's, it just, it seemed to me like what the bears should have been doing in the last half of the season was almost like when you go up big in uh, youth sports and you're like, all right, guys only shoot with your left hand. Okay. Cause you're going to, the bears should have been like, Justin, don't run. We know you can run. The bears celebrated um, their loss to the dolphins as if it was the biggest win of the season. Cause they saw uh, Justin Fields. That was Okay. Anyone that was on the fence, he's our guy. And I do think he is the guy. And I do think he's a good passer. I, I watched him at Ohio State. He had prolific offenses there. I, I just think the Bears kind of got into the trap where, because everybody else around him was so bad, they just relied on it. But they weren't going to win games. So I think they missed out on an opportunity to have live practice to try to actually implement some sort of offense that could utilize field strength as a passer and improve some of his weaknesses. Instead, they just let him run 18 times a game. 
So I, I like that they made the trade. Uh, DJ Moore coming over. I think that was a nice addition to that trade. They still might make more trades to really bolster that team. So they've got a lot of holes, but they have a they have a path to to getting that team better. And so if I am a Bears fan, uh, I'm looking at I'm I'm being optimistic. I'm thinking at least our our team seems to have some sort of direction. We're not drafting Justin. F- the biggest mistake they made was Nagy and Pace should have started Justin Fields every game, and for their sake, they should have attached themselves to him, so that if he struggled or did good, they would have said, "Well, you can't fire us." I mean. We don't want another guy to come in here, and it seemingly worked out for Nagy. Maybe not so much Ryan Pace, but I think I think the Bears are going to get there. I think good good days are ahead for the Bears. Just might might not be this year. I think that they had the exact right process coming out of Nagy and Pace, which was to tear it all down and don't just try to live in some sort of fantasy where, oh, we'll just draft this guy or sign this guy and he'll be the difference. He'll fix all the problems. They're like, no, this roster is awful and we need to move on from our guys who are worth something. Get rid of Khalil Mack, get something for him, get rid of, I mean, Roquan Smith is a good player, but was in line to make way too much money for them. So, all right, move on from him. If they had kept him, I I could have understood it, but maybe they didn't feel like he fit with Eberflus the way that they wanted him to. So just get as much as you can for draft capital and cap space, and then spend like drunken sailors and try to rebuild this team. And then this year, give Justin Fields an opportunity to really show us whether it's a yes or a no. Like, is, is he a Josh Allen or is he a Vince Young? Because it's probably not going to be anything else. He's either going to take a big step and be really good, or he's not going to take a big step throwing the ball and is just going to be pretty mediocre. The hard thing to figure out is, A, because they had the sporting cast that was so awful. Like, is there more there for him? Or can he ever figure out the other parts that aren't just throwing the ball? Because you mentioned Ohio State. He is a great thrower of the football, but it's this sort of puzzled look like, oh, I don't know where I'm supposed to throw the football. Now, is that system? Probably not after two different coaches. Is it wide receivers? Definitely could be because if you're afraid to throw it when guys aren't open, well, okay, I get it. Like you're supposed to throw to the open guys and there weren't any, or is it the dude is just slow when it comes to processing and gets sacked all the time, which seems to be the case at the moment. And that's what I can't really figure out, but they could still, even if he passes like mediocre, but they have a better defense this year, better offensive line and a receiver to throw to. There's still like a seven win team. If he throws the ball really well, they might get to like nine wins. I don't think they have enough to be more than that. But if he throws the ball pretty well, they can be a fairly dangerous team. I think the Bears will win some games that they shouldn't. I think that they're they're certainly going to improve. I mean, they almost couldn't not. I would be stunned if they made the playoffs, though. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It would be it would take it would take such a massive jump. We have just like it's funny about tanking, right? Like that it never has to take that long if you do a lot of things right coming out of it. Um, for some of these teams where you're back in competition, it might be kind of like Arizona after they drafted Kyler Murray. They took big steps forward in that first year uh, after being horrific, but weren't quite there. Uh, the last question is. Agree or disagree, the farthest an NFC North team will go in the playoffs is the wild card round. And uh, let me just add a little shade to this. I still think this is a very, very interesting division, like an extremely interesting division, despite the possibility. You might disagree and say that, you know, somebody's going to go deep in the playoffs, but I think it's sort of funny how every team were kind of like, eh, I don't know. And yet, um, like how good they can they really be? And yet there's so many things with each franchise that are going to be like franchise shaping over this next year. Oh, this is interesting. So they will, they, whoever wins the NFC North is going to win uh, or win the division, get a home game. So then I'm trying to think like of the teams. So let's say the Eagles win the East. I'm really trying to do the math here and show the work. Eagles win the East. Only one team's coming out of the South. Uh, man, so then, like, the West, are the Rams going to be good? I don't know what the Niners are doing. Um, the Seahawks, geez. I'm almost going to say yes. NFC stinks. It's it's not good. I think the best teams are 
best three teams have to be in the East, right? I mean, we can we can debate about that or whatever, but I think the Eagles are the best. The Cowboys are still good. They're good, okay? The Giants, I think, are good. And are and then I think you can be like, oh no, well the Niners are better than the Giants. Or I don't trust it with the Niners. I, I, I this might be more of a bias. I say I hate the Vikings. Oh my God, I hate the Niners. I can't stand that team. Nobody gets more like admiration for being mediocre than Kyle Shanahan in this whole league. They, they're, I, I really can't stand the Niners. The, the San Francisco 49ers are the NFL's Boston Celtics, where people always assume they're better than they are, and the whole media is in the tank for them for whatever reason. Everyone loves the Boston Celtics. Everyone loves the San Francisco 49ers. Niners don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. They might not. They might even still trade for Rodgers now. I mean, nobody, nobody knows what's going on there. So, I, I would say yes. I'd say the NFC North. You get a home game, you can win a home game. As much as we think this division is bad, which it is, um, give, give me one of these teams. The Lions, the Lions at home can win a playoff game. The Packers at home can win a playoff game. The Vikings at home can win a playoff game. I don't think it'll be the Bears. So I will say to the divisional round, and then I might I might cut it there. So I'll disagree. I have a little more hope for the NFC. I think we can, I think our division, the black and blue, the Norris, we can get to the divisional round. <laughs> and uh, and that'll be it. Bring back the division names in the NHL for sure. Yeah, the uh, well, the 49er thing, um, I think from Minnesota, it's probably a different perspective because the Vikings have had so much, so many problems with San Francisco. Well, so like, have the Packers. Yeah, I mean, they, right. they destroy us. <laughs> right. So there's probably uh, some jealousy there, especially since the 49ers have kind of won the way that the Vikings wanted to win under Mike Zimmer, which was like running the ball, having a quarterback just kind of execute you know, what they're supposed to do and then just beating the other team's face in with defense. That's what Mike Zimmer wanted to do, but it only really worked for like one season in 2017 to be a legitimate contender. Do you, do you think by the way, the, the quarterback situation is so fascinating. They went to the ownership meetings and told everybody in the world, Brock Purdy's our guy. I mean, are they like waving a flag? Like someone trade for Trey Lance? Are they trying to like do some misdirection, but they actually still like Trey Lance? Do that. Are they going to, talk Brady out of retirement. How often do we get to April 6th? And we're like, I don't even know who their quarterback is or what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, didn't they sign Sam Darnold too? Is he there? <laughs> yeah. I think Trey Lance is their guy. I mean, I know the Brock Purdy story was nice, but, and it's not like, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking like sunk cost fallacy where you have to, you do did this for Trey and you trade it, but Trey, they drafted Trey Lance because that's what they want in their quarterback in that system. And, and that's what they want. And the Niners, they, you know, so I do think there's a level of Kyle Shanahan that's overrated. I do have more emotional bias takes towards the Niners than the Vikings. I thought for a Packers fan that came on and said, I hate this team. I don't understand. You could be a fan. I think I can give you rational takes on the Vikings with the Niners. I can't, uh, I hate them so much. The Niners have a great, like, their offense is tremendous. They can get, if you say to the Niners, you have four plays, you have you have four plays. You start at the five, you have four plays, and you need 100 yards in four plays. And every play has to be at least 18 yards. They would do it. They do do it better than anybody. They've got Kittle, they got Debo, they got McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, even these, like, the, the Jawan Jennings of the world can, can do well. So they're they're very good, but yeah, they got to figure out who their quarterback is. So I don't know. It is very fascinating. Weren't there Trey Lance Minnesota rumblings for like a week? Well, he's one of us, so that's part of it. You know, once yeah. uh, so anytime there's a Minnesota connection, but also there's the Kyle Shanahan coached you know Kirk Cousins and Mike Shanahan drafted Kirk Cousins, and you know there was some quote where Shanahan said he thought he was going to get Kirk Cousins. So naturally, and then Mike Florio has poured gasoline on that fire by saying there were rumors at the combine that the 49ers and Vikings had some sort of trade talks about Kirk Cousins. I have very much tried to like uh, to push back on it a little bit. I don't see why they would do this, but the one thing that does that could talk me into it is. You know, the Vikings restructuring and not extending Kirk Cousins 
sort of signifies it's like, this is it. This is the last year of him. Uh, not a hundred percent, but it could. And all the quarterbacks from San Francisco get hurt all the time. And so like, not that we can ever predict really injuries, but if you're Kyle Shanahan, like, could I acquire the healthiest man who's ever played football? Kirk cousins who literally misses zero games ever and kind of knows how to execute my offense. So there is like a little like ish sort of connection. Like you can squint and make it happen. And if you're the Vikings and you're looking for your younger quarterback, well, Trey Lance is a younger quarterback that maybe they'd be willing to part ways. So I see where people try to put that together all the time. I've just never been able to make it work to be a great idea, especially since they've blown the first two years of Trey Lance's rookie contract that he hasn't played. So he still needs like a lot of development, you know? I was thinking just talking uh, that like if Kirk Cousins, so we think of Kirk Cousins a certain way. He can win 10 games. He won't go any further than the divisional round. If the Vikings and Niners made that trade, people would, people would like think of Kirk Cousins in a new way. Even though the Vikings have weapons, they, they have weapons. They, they have a lot of weapons. But if you put Kirk then with McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo, I, I would th- I would think if Kirk Cousins is on the Niners, people would people would rush to say they're going to win the NFC, like trip over themselves to do it, which is very interesting. But that's again, that's the way that the Niners have a spell over everyone. No, I mean, you're right about that, that they would. Uh, And I think with the current state of the NFC, there might be some logic to that. But that was also the 2018 Viking logic. If you just put Kirk on a team that went to the NFC championship, then it'll be different. He has a remarkable way of making it the same, no matter what. Like the team has gone down, the team has gone up around him, and it's still been kind of the same deal uh, each year. So any any more uh, questions that are on your mind? I asked you a bunch of questions. You got any questions for me, Bart? I I know we're going to run this on both of our podcast feeds. So does does your audience want any Viking insight here? Uh, The one thing I would like to know is at what point in the season, because this happened a lot here, at what point in the season when Zadarius Smith would go down in a game and it looked like uh, he would never walk again, at what point in the season did you realize – Oh, he'll be out there three plays later. Because that really made me mad here. Yes, that did happen several times. Uh, Adam Thielen was actually more known for that last year than Zadarius Smith, but it did happen a few times. Oh, yeah, no Thielen anymore. Where did he go? uh, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know that I was going to say if you have a wide receiver, too, to pass along, but you don't. So there is no. Packers wide receiver too at the moment. Uh, he's no, because they're all ones. Oh, oh yeah, of course. My mistake. Romeo Dobbs. Um, <laughs> right. Al Lazard is now a jet as is um, Tim Boyle, I think is also Tim a jet Boyle. Now, breaking so news. Tim big, Boyle. Yeah. Big move today in the NFL, Tim Boyle. But yeah, no, the Zadarius thing is weird because Zadarius, like what's a polite way to put this? Um, ruined Garrett Bradbury's life like several times and the lives of the left tackles, whoever it was for the Vikings. So when the Vikings acquired him, like, okay, well, this guy's a freaking monster. And then he was for like eight games. He just took people's heads off and beat their bodies with it. And then it disappeared. And I think that the injuries you're talking about did catch up with him in the second half of the season because it was a completely different player. And I think he was slowed down and he tried to tell us a few times like, Oh, well I'm over the knee injury that he had or whatever. So sure. now, so now they're in this weird position of Zedarius Smith made like a goodbye post on social media. And then it was reported that he wants a new contract, but no one was really going to pay him big money if they cut him and it's better if they trade him but they haven't done like tanky things to take apart the roster. So why would you trade somebody who's good at football? And then we just sit here and wait and twiddle our thumbs. So I don't even know what's going to happen, but it seems like that was the way it was in green Bay where you kind of never knew what was going to happen with Zedaria Smith. Yeah. It was everybody's favorite Packer when he came, uh, he did these joint press conferences with Preston Smith, which then I saw he was doing some joint stuff right away. So he followed the same playbook. He's everybody's favorite to start has some big plays and then just kind of decides that he doesn't – I don't know. The, the, the last year he was here, he played like 14 snaps in game one and then was just like hurt the whole time but not like real confident about how hurt he was. Or it, Yeah, it's weird. It's just it's just he's one of those guys that, you know, the announcers get fooled at in every time. Is it Darius? Oh, my gosh. It's a Darius. And they play the slow Fox music and then <laughs> – 
three plays later, Zadarius on the tackle. You know, it's like, well, yeah, of course he was coming back in. Very, very dramatic and sad. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. That did happen quite a few times. I think the, the back surgery and the knee issue last year kind of says maybe it's time to just kind of move forward uh, and look for your next edge rusher. All right, congrats again to the Brewers, who may or may not have won, but got a game in. Good stuff. Again, local Milwaukee radio, ready to break it all down for you. And we do appreciate their efforts, man. They're really killing it. Everybody is this year during this Brewer season. Just uh, what an absolute treat. Tomorrow's show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Paul Emick, Toby Altizer, Ty Windish later in the week to preview the Bucks playoff run and uh, some live Brewers also coming up to wrap up the Arizona series. I'm Bart Winkler. Have a good day. See ya.